Good morning, girls and gays. Thanks for tuning in to Tindergarten, a veritable show and tell of the good, the bad, and the dramatic of 21st century queer dating. I'm your host, Raksha, and class is now in session. week on Tindergarten, I'll be speaking with Anna. Anna is a Midwestern transplant from DC who loves outdoor adventuring. We're going to talk a bit about balancing mental health and queerness with modern dating. Anna, would you like to add anything to that introduction? I use she, her pronouns, um, and I work, I'm like graduate assistant, and so I'm like a student, and I work um, for an outdoor program, and then that's pretty much pretty much everything. Yeah. yeah, it's perfect. So yeah, tell me a bit about the the move to the Midwest. So you were in DC before. How's the like queer life transition? Yeah, it's been the like the like entire life transition has been really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly the queer life transition. I think my that part of my identity has become a lot more salient since I've been here um just because it is so new for a lot of the people that I interact with because like the the queer life is very slim it kind of sparse in a lot of the queer folks who I've been interacting with are very new to that piece of their identity are newly out or newly exploring that piece of them because there's like really deep-rooted conservative values and Christian values so a lot of my students come to college and then they're like Mm. oh my I can like be myself you know and for me like I've been out for 10 it'll be 10 years in June and so I feel like kind of an old queer (laughs) yeah 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 so it's definitely been it's definitely been interesting a lot of I sort of picked up and uprooted to a place that is is pretty different so yeah. <laughs> it's huge though. I think it's so cool that especially like you refer to them as your students and I think that speaks to they probably look up to you and it's so cool that you're like a professional academic like queer and out person. I knew maybe like one queer TA and like maybe one queer professor through college and I remember just like gravitating towards them like crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been pretty, it's been pretty huge, because for a lot of my students, I'm like the first out queer person that they've, they've really interacted with. Um, And it's been a huge thing for my queer students, it's been a huge thing for my straight students, because they don't really, they don't really know what they don't know, kind of a thing. So yeah, so it's definitely been, it's been really, it's been a really awesome and slightly exhausting experience. Yeah, yeah, being like the gay on campus. (laughs) Right. Right, we're like doing all the educating and all the emotional labor and it's like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah. So. Do you feel like your university on like the administration and the staff side support you or do you feel like it's an uphill battle? That's a great question. Um, I think that like I'm fortunate to work for a department that is really supportive. I think the university on the whole is is sort of moving that direction, but I think it's it's really hard to be to be in the, I think it's, it's challenging to be in the Midwest because the, the values are just ever so slightly sort of behind the coasts mm-hmm. in a way. And so the, the general acceptance and the general vibe. So it's, I would say it's more of like 
I think a lot of folks who I work with and interact with and like within the university encounter sort of encounter queerness at like the higher education level. It's not something that like they're constantly around. Like for me being from DC, like I knew people growing up, like my neighbors across the street were this like older lesbian couple. And I just was like, it was like constantly a part of, of, of what was going on. It was very normalized. And so so I think I think here it's just people are experiencing it a little bit, are experiencing it more in higher education than in like um, normalized throughout daily life. Yeah, yeah, I see what you yeah. mean. I guess speaking of like support systems and college culture and stuff, what has been your personal journey with mental health? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Yeah, so I've kind of always struggled with it, and I I think. Yeah, and so I saw I saw a therapist in high school, and then went to college, and decided that um, I like tried to see someone when I was in undergrad, and it just didn't ever really work out. I didn't get great vibes, um, and so I didn't attend to that part of myself in undergrad. And then, and I had been in like these long term relationships, and like well, the one long term relationship when I was in undergrad, and so. I let that really sort of define who I was and define a lot of a lot of how things, you know, sort of how my life took shape in undergrad. And then I got to grad school and I was like, oh, my mind needs some help. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, So, yeah. And like, I think I was really fortunate here to my graduate program is really good at um, pushing out resources to us um, because being like we're in sort of an educational administration program and so it's it makes sense that they push the resources out to us because we need to know for our students as well and so mm-hmm. I like looked into I looked into um some of the counseling resources and took a pretty big step to um schedule an appointment and stuff because I totally had forgotten like how intimidating that can be and I was like oh wow like <laughs> yeah um and had a really phenomenal experience had a really great experience with seeing a a therapist through the university resources um and yeah and it was it was really great I feel like I got kind of lucky in that regard um because I've I've heard sort of mixed reviews from other folks yeah that's another thing that I'm really trying to to champion so to speak with my with my students is uh (laughs) is to like sort of normalize it. And I think particularly because, you know, I'm doing a lot of, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm not, you know, like my mental health is, it's not apparent that I am struggling necessarily. And so I think really trying to normalize that for my students and, and letting them sort of having, helping them understand that like, yeah, it's like you go to the doctor to make sure your physical health is taken care of and you go to, you know, you can go to counseling to make sure your mental health is taken care of. And even if you sort of feel like you don't necessarily need to see someone all the time, like, you know, if there is something that you're really struggling with or like a transition or something, a big move, like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to, to do that. So, yeah. So that's kind of, where where I'm coming from which again is really it's a really interesting spot to be in because 
Um, we don't talk about mental health necessarily. Like it's not super normalized and it's super taboo, like kind of in most conversations. So I just graduated undergrad last spring. Oh, right on. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks. I had a college counselor that I really liked. I was super lucky with that. But we had, like, the university had these super stringent policies about, like, you can only have so many sessions throughout your academic career. And it was something like 16 oh sessions. It was fine for me because I had only discovered it kind of, like, the later half of college. And I would go, like, as needed. And my counselor would, like, fit me into his schedule. And it, it like, worked out. But I also feel like I was, like, it was artificially scarce, you know? Right. Like, it feels like a huge privilege to settle into, like, the adult world and have insurance and be able to go once a week because Absolutely. that is covered. And I'm at a deductible. <laughs> like, well, I guess all healthcare in the U.S. is really, like, yeah, <laughs> so hard to access. But, like, mental health care, it's, like, it's even hard to recognize that you need it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I got really fortunate because um, I am a part of a university that actually just this past uh, I think it was last, I think it was last year, they made um, sessions unlimited for students, mm. um, which has been huge. It's been, it's definitely put more demand on the staff, but it also allows, it creates more access for the students, right? So there's this kind of balance and they're looking to expand the staff. Um, but I also got really fortunate that I am in a place where the re the like the resources aren't as as scarce and so I think for me that was also a big that was a big draw for me because not only was there counseling through the health center that I could access but there's also the school of counseling psychology here mm. does sessions for students and it's for their like PhD students who need clinical or who are looking to get like clinical practical hours oh, wow yeah 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 yeah, so it was super, super cool. That's the route that I went. Um, and so we sat in a room, there was a one way mirror. Um, we were videotaped. And then my um, counselor worked with um, sort of a mentor or a, a faculty member one on one and sort of went through the tapes and worked through some things. It was a really cool. It was a really cool experience. What an interesting process. Yeah, I've never thought about like how they practice doing it. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, and it was super interesting, too, because at the time, I like this past semester, I was also taking a class on, uh, it was called Helping Skills, and basically it was like how to help students in crisis, and, and so it was like how to talk to students, um, you know, using different skills, reflection of feeling, all of these, these different things, and then it was cool because I was also seeing a counselor at the same time. And I could see, I could see them doing those things that I was learning in class too. So it was like weirdly academic. I was kind of nerding out about it a little bit, but. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And that's also like so humanizing of your, your counselors. I don't know. I think that's something that I forget. I'm kind of like, oh, they know everything and they're all together. And like, right. Like I like need their opinion more than I need to like hear my own. But in the end, they're like echoing back what I need. And like, right. they're like a person too. And I don't know. It was very cool. It's, yeah, I, again, feel really fortunate to be in the experience that I'm in. And, like, I have no idea how it's going to work when I, like, become an actual adult with real health care and need to navigate the, the system that way. Um. <laughs> yeah, the system, that's, like, a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And, like, what does it mean to be in therapy while queer? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like you have to, like, seek out 
people who are or say that they know how to deal with LGBTQ issues. Like, is that something that I need to look for? You know, so it's it's really interesting. So now that I'm in New York, I like specifically looked for a counselor who's like specialized in queer issues and stuff. Two things I wanted to work on were like some baggage that I had from the queer community in Atlanta and like like collective grief and like trauma and stuff. And I just wanted to talk to someone who would understand that specifically. And then I wanted to work through like anxiety. And I was able to search on like, like literally on that. I was like, LGBT issues and anxiety. My insurance is search option. And it was, it pulled up people like in my area. And now I have this like awesome lesbian therapist who like gets it. And it's That's been great. Incredible. That's incredible. Wow. I think yeah. it's also a part of like, knowing what you want when you're going into it so that was helpful yeah and like I yeah and like for me I totally knew what I wanted going into going into this and discovered some things while I was in this counseling relationship that like Mm -hmm. I didn't even know I needed to look at so we were like opening cans of worms left and right and it was just (laughs) I was like oh cool great (laughs) gotta love unpacking everything yeah no for real for real switching tracks but related to that what in like your interpersonal life in dating and stuff how do you think being in the midwest or like mental health stuff can affect that for me personally like I've only ever been in serious long-term relationships and so Mm -hmm. I think for me and particularly like my location at a university my sort of position in like being in the Midwest I think like being kind of young I think it there can be this really sort of casual culture and I like have no idea how to navigate it like not a clue (laughs) not a clue have never used I didn't had never downloaded a dating app until like I don't know six weeks ago you know had never really gone that route and so it's kind of funny because I feel like I've been out for almost 10 years, but I feel incredibly naive to a lot of the the, the ways in which culture works, I guess. <laughs> Does that make sense? I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just been kind of interesting. Um, I don't know if that's like a stumbling block, but yeah, I guess too, for me, like I also struggle with like anxiety and particularly like social situations, large groups, bars, I have sort of trauma around that. And so it's hard for me to that I have been working to unpack. And so it's really hard for me to, to like, put myself out there in that way. Um, But yeah, yeah, so it is kind of an interesting thing when you sort of compound all of those factors of like location, sort of scarcity, and then where I'm at, and like how I interact with people. And sort of the newness of of all of all of the 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 app um, things. So yeah, I think yeah. That. like getting back into the game, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's like what and, and like, but also trying to like figure out how to play the game on it. Right. Because it's like getting back into it, but like I've always like I've always known my partners before I've dated them and so it's kind of like oh I have no idea who you are but we're gonna swipe a direction on this and (laughs) it's interesting it's definitely like a completely different way to relationship like I yeah I also had like organic relationships I guess you can say or whatever in in college like people I knew and I feel like that's that's so different because you do like 
part of the dating and vetting process before you're dating. Right. Whereas with online, it's like, I think I'm kind of enjoying the less risk to my social group and stuff. Like when I was dating in my college queer community, I feel like everybody knew everybody and everybody was each other's exes. And like, yeah, I don't know. I'm enjoying like the freedom from that because when I meet someone online, I'm oh good. You don't have like, we don't have like social baggage. Yeah. That helps in the queer community for me. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Pros and cons for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, totally. Because I think, yeah, for me, it's definitely like, I almost find it harder. My whole philosophy on friends with exes is Mm -hmm. I like to be friends Mm -hmm. and like not had any experience in which I wouldn't want to be friends. But at the same time, like, I totally get where people come from of like, yeah, everything is so intertwined and like the community is so small and like particularly for in terms of like in college, like Mm -hmm. you're around those people for four years and you know, it's like everyone's kind of in this microcosm of (laughs) of 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 socializing. And so yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. And so like and both of the the relationships that I've been in have been through like industry and work connections um, because the outdoor Mm. world is equally small and weird and interconnected in that way Uh, I guess not weird that's kind of stigmatizing but like but like small and interconnected um, in that way and and create for some really interesting social dynamics and so I think (laughs) it's been really interesting because like one of one of my exes like I will continue to see in my professional life and it's kind of like oh like how 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 does that happen? Um, because we we dated for a year, almost a year and a half, and so it's like that's a pretty long period of time to then have to like figure out how navigating social situations like looks moving forward. So I don't know. Starting relationships is hard enough, and then ending them is like its own thing. <laughs> oh my gosh! Totally, <laughs> totally, totally, and it's all so complex because people are so complex, and it's just yeah, yeah. yeah. So, which of the apps have you used? Tinder, Her, and, oh, what was the other one? There was a third one. I had three. Um, wow, I don't even remember what that third one is called. Is it, like, a, a phone app, or was it, like, okay? Oh, okay. It's definitely a phone app. It's one of those ones that, I don't know why I can't remember it. Wow, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but definitely Tinder and her, for sure. Mm. Yeah. How did you like her? It's kind of glitchy. I wasn't really a fan of it, to be honest. I think also, too, I was a little bit intimidated by, like, and I shouldn't I shouldn't put place as much value on, like, what folks I know say, but, like, I... I know several individuals who have like met their like long-term partners on her mm-hmm. um, and I was a little bit intimidated by that because I was like I I that's not what I'm looking for right now like I don't really know so like I was on it but it was a little glitchy and was not I actually had more I don't know if you could call it success but I had definitely more matches and more people come through on tinder actually out here which is kind of funny yeah, Tinder is like my bread and butter too. Whenever I download anything else, and I have been because people have been telling me about stuff as I do episodes because there's so many dating apps. Like right. 
for like every different kind of niche and every like different twist of a concept and like yeah. so I've tried a couple others but like yeah tinder is just where like the most people are and you get to cast this like really wide and kind of random net and that works really well I think right. for some situations I don't know about like yeah finding a long-term partner so I used to call it five swipes but okay. different people take a different amount of time to do five swipes okay so I think it works better when I block out like five to seven minutes of swiping <laughs> all right cool so I have tinder open yeah, and so we can kind of talk through some of it. I'm pretty picky. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I've I've got I've got some like pretty high standards, and I think it for me it's like I want something. I'm like, oh yeah, I want some casual something casual, but that I like can't, you know. I, then I can like, keep so you know swiping no on on folks, and so yeah. it's it's kind of an interesting thing, and like I don't so. But again, it's me trying to learn how to like be casual <laughs> yeah this is something I navigate with like dating other queer women like yeah. so so I'm bi so I right. date people of all genders as soon as I'm trying to date in I guess quote-unquote like the lesbian dating world I feel like casual means something different than it means to like straight men yeah. <laughs> and I'm like flipping back and forth between that and I don't know. It's, like, hard to decide what I want out of that. But, yeah, I feel like in queer women's dating world, there's definitely a pressure to be less casual or or at least, uh, or, like, casual definitely means different things to different people. And I think that's risky. Yeah, and there's, yeah, there's definitely, there's, like, a certain level of, like, intensity that sometimes comes with. Yeah, because I, yeah. like, yeah, and, like, yeah, because I identify as a lesbian. And so, for me, it's, like, I've only ever kind of known or that like relatively intense we have to sort of know everything about each other kind of kind of vibe um which is not I don't think that that's like the the single story um but it's the single story that gets told um but I don't think that it's every I don't think everyone's that way but it's been really sort of interesting trying to to navigate that because like I have had some like really like my my first was like a really kind of a traumatic like experience with that where like I had to like constantly check in and I learned some really like bad communication habits out of that and so it's like trying to unlearn a bunch of that as well as like yeah like you can just kind of like do your own thing and it can be what it is and you know so yeah I think that's really insightful and I mean I think the word intense is very like very apt it is. It is like, yeah, yeah. So to to swipe, right? So I'm I'm kind of, if if we can circle circle back there. Yeah. So someone showed up on my screen. So one of the things that I look for is so I've kind of got an age range. Um, I've only ever dated women who are older than me by a couple of years, and I've only ever been interested. Like that's like my biggest crushes have always been on women who are older than me. All of this, and so. But I have my range like a couple years younger and a couple, you know, and like a couple years older. So I think it's like three on either side. The the woman on my screen falls within my age range. Um, but, but she's really far away. <laughs> and so like, but that's the other thing too, is is like in the Midwest, every everybody's far away. Like all of these women are like up to, you know, 30, 40, 50, 80 you know, miles away, because the drive from here to 
the major city with the international airport is an hour. So it's about 60 miles. And so I match with folks or like a lot of folks from that city will show up. And so Mm -hmm. it's just really interesting because it's like, oh, yeah. So she's 45 miles away from me. And I'm like, all right. I'm in New York and I'm like, two miles sounds like it's really far. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's a, so for me, 45 miles would be a 45 minute drive because nobody lives out here. Um, (laughs) But like, but also like, it's just kind of funny because, you know, this is partially, I think some of my, my anxiousness that plays into it, but I think about like, okay, so if I'm going to go, you know, if I'm going to go grab it, grab a drink with you or something, you know, like, and it doesn't go particularly well or like I don't really like where it's going like I've driven almost an hour to see you and I have to drive almost an hour to go back like yeah 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 you know and granted like it could be awesome and we could spend multiple hours together but it's like you know if if it's kind of a mediocre interaction like I don't know also something I think about (laughs) reading her bio she's outdoorsy so that actually might be enough for me to swipe (laughs) to be honest (laughs) I uh, yeah I don't know I think partially for me it's like it's a really big part of who I am like it's my work my free time it's my so something that I really value and I think that's probably why I date within like the the outdoor professional community in a way um or like that's been my previous experience I I need someone who kind of gets it like I because I disappear for like multiple days at a time with no cell phone service. And that can be like really challenging when there's this like intensity expectation in, you know, this summer, this summer I'll disappear for uh, two weeks into like the, the mountains of Wyoming for, for a work training. There's, there has to be this sort of understanding of like, okay, so like, this is what I do. And this is like the, yeah. <laughs> Like I am a student during the week and then on weekends I disappear and don't have cell phone service. And so that can be, for, for me, it's been really interesting trying to figure out like, is, is, da- is dating, is doing casual, you know, having casual relationships even a thing that I can do right now? <laughs> There's so much like self-reflection in what we actually want and what we can actually, what we have like bandwidth for. And then I sit and I like, it takes me forever to make a decision, right? Because sometimes, so, well, yeah, sometimes it's like the longer I think about it, the harder it is for me to decide. But like people, yeah. you know, it's, it's just, you're just swiping, right? So it's. Yeah, it's definitely not a commitment on the, the front end, like a swipe. Yeah, we, yeah, and we also landed on kind of a, kind of a difficult one because she's far away, but she also does outside things. So I was like, oh, bummer. Um <laughs> I was like hoping that this would be kind of quick, but uh, it's not, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I think I I think I'm actually gonna swipe no, and the only reason is is that like that that distance piece is just really. So that was a that was a no. Um, this woman, she's 47 miles away. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, and in in her bio, um, is upfront about being non-monogamous which is interesting for me because I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a deal breaker. I don't know. I've never actually really thought that much about it. She's got her astrology signs in this bio, which like, (laughs) 
okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I stand with astrology. I'm like, cute. But I'm also like, is it really something about you? Like, right. I guess some people do really identify with their sign. I don't know. With queer women, like, sometimes, like, that's, that's like, a really, like, the astrology is just kind of a... It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> it's, like, a whole subculture. Like, it yeah. really is. Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna, we're actually gonna swipe, uh, swipe no on that one, too, I think. You can set your distance settings to, to like, cut off at a certain point. Because that sounds like, that's, like, maxing it out. No, so, so that's actually not... Because if I don't, if I set it to, um, if I set it to, like, narrow, I actually don't, I get, like, very, very few, very Mm. few. I'll get, like, a handful, if that, like, five or six, maybe. Yeah, if I set within, like, ten miles, which is kind of nuts, but. (laughs) How do queer folks meet each other in remote-ish areas? Because it's, there's not, like presumably like a lesbian bar or like a regular queer women's meetup yeah like how how do sort of rural queer exists like you know what I mean like there's a lot of like that component and I know like here I think a lot of folks go to the major go to the major cities so yeah yeah, the, the the closest major city with the international airport is an hour and then there's another one that's like three hours and I think people just like out, out in the Midwest, I'm learning that people are just like, yeah, it takes, you know, eight hours. That's a day trip, you know? And it's like, oh, like we can drive eight hours in a day. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Um, Cause I'm from, yeah. Cause I'm from the DC area. And like, anytime we had to drive more than two, it was like, got to pack snacks in the car. Got to <laughs> like get ready to go. Like, this is a, this is an experience. We better be staying at least overnight, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's been really kind of funny. But yeah, like how do how do you folks meet people? It's it's kind of an interesting thing because like the queer community is already kind of small and then you sort of spread everybody out across multiple miles. It's like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Is there a solution beyond like eventually moving to a bigger city? Do do queers just like have to congregate in the largest town near them at least? <laughs> Are there like all these high school, these closeted high schoolers like falling in love with each other and then like, you know, staying in their small towns and, you know, like living out a very sort of secretive life? Probably. Um, but it is, it's an interesting thing to think about of like, how do you folks meet each other? And like, particularly, yeah, like particularly folks, yeah, like queer individuals who grew up in this area, but then also like individuals like what I'm running into is is like queer individuals who like move here um <laughs> and are transplanted from a place where like maybe the culture is more more normalized and like there's just more to do so yeah it's been really really interesting yeah and so I guess we'll swipe on one more so she's she works at the same university that I do um so she's close two yeah. months two miles um she's a year older than me and but doesn't have a bio and I just don't I don't know how to feel you know it's like she's got more than one photo which is good yeah my current perception is is not super outdoorsy but yeah all right you know like that's okay yeah like very sort of femme presenting but like no bio (laughs) 
what do you even message about first when there isn't a bio? I think that's what gets me. I'm always like, what do I say? Hey, how are you? Like, what? You know? Yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, yeah. We work for the same university. You know what I mean? Like, what? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, that seems silly. Yeah, so no bio. So I don't think we're gonna, I don't think we're gonna go right on this one either. See, like I said, like, really selective. I think what I would probably do if I was in a, like, New York is so saturated. Like, I don't have a problem, but. I can only imagine, yeah. But um, I think if I was in a more rural area, I would actually end up paying for the premium version of the apps. Because yeah, Tinder lets you see, like, who has swiped on you. So you get to just choose from that batch instead of, like, yeah being selective on top of already other people are being selective. And I don't know. I think, yeah, that's probably how I would deal with that at least I think yeah yeah and I do have like so I do have folks who have sort of swiped and and I've had some some folks match and you know I've had some women match who I've actually been like this would be you know this would be kind of kind of cool to to pursue and then and I don't hear anything back because that's the beauty of tinder is is you can just kind of like delete it when you want to yeah um, <laughs> which I totally how, you know, I totally did um, after sort of a conversation with my therapist and was like, yeah, I'm really only on here for attention. And because I was was sort of a new face, I had a lot of folks interested very quickly. Mm. Um, and all of my photos are very outdoorsy. And, you know, I'm like in a whitewater kayak and like, you know, so <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. And so I think a lot of folks, you know, because I was new and people hadn't seen me before, that's my theory on it anyway. Maybe I'm not actually that important and people are just kind of swiping the swipe. <laughs> but no, yeah. I imagine that, especially in, when it's like, if you do set like a short, smaller radius, you probably notice pretty fast when it's a new face. I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause so. like me, for me sometimes like when I had, when I was checking like Tinder pretty regularly, I would actually swipe through and then it would be like, oh, there's, there's no more, uh, <laughs> you have no more choices right now. And so I don't like wait, wait for it to refresh. And I was like, oh, wow. All right. <laughs> so. I've had to do that when I was in India and I was like swiping on women. It was just like, yep, that was like the three out queer women in, <laughs> in your like radius. Oh I was like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah I um, can only imagine. Yeah. You said something that I thought was super interesting about the validation that comes from dating apps it's so good but it's so bad oh it's so it's so it's so good for such a short period of time and then it just yeah and that's something that I really unpacked a lot in therapy because I got out of a you know I got out of my year and a half roughly long relationship it was distance it was she works in my industry like it was a lot of that and it was just like Mm -hmm. Oh, like what now? Like how do I even like define myself really? Because I let my relationships kind of define me for quite a long time of my life. Um mm-hmm. and so it was really interesting to like navigate that with with my with my counselor. Um, because you know, he would sort of say, he was like, Well, what is that giving you? And I was like, I mean, it feels nice to be wanted. Um, (laughs) but that's like, kind of, that was kind of it. That was kind of all I was, was on there for, because then I would get really nervous about like actually pursuing anything, (laughs) like actually like messaging people, 
which is seems kind of silly, but you know, my, my brain decided that, that was something we were going to be a little nervous about and anxious about and not want to do. So I think the validation thing is so fun. Yeah. Cause it's like, you get this like quick amount of success and like validation and you're like, great, I'm doing great. I'm like wanted and desirable and whatever. But if you don't follow up on it, I guess, and you just let it kind of all disappear, then it's yeah. like, oh, I don't know. I think the downside of it is worse because then you're like, I'm so lonely because you're thinking about it more. You're like sitting on the app being like, here are the people I could be dating, but I'm like, not. <laughs> yeah. And that was, yeah. And that's been a big thing too is, is like, because since I sort of moved out here and like have been transitioning into this sort of like living in the Midwest for a few years, life, like mm-hmm. really interesting for me to like acknowledge and uh, sort of speak my loneliness into existence um, and I think it was really I think it I sort of jumped on the apps in in a hope to sort of like fill that to fill that void in a sense um, because I had been in this long distance relationship and then that when that went away I was kind of like stuck with myself in a place that I didn't want to be in um, like in a, in a location that I didn't want to be in. And I was stuck with like just myself. It was an awful feeling to be quite honest. Um, it was like really awful. Um, and so spent a lot of time working through that in my, in my sessions and like journaled about it and was like really sort of, and still journal about it. Like that sort of loneliness factor of like, you know, it's like, so the apps provide like a, like a short-term validation and then like sitting with yourself afterwards for me like when I decided I didn't want to act on you know some of these matches or like didn't message them and then it was like well why am I not messaging them because I like you know it's like well if if I wanted the attention then like I should message them but then it's like (laughs) so it's this whole thing (laughs) yeah yeah I think I definitely did it when I first came to New York I was like well I don't really know people and I like want to go out and do stuff and I like want to not focus on how much I miss my friends and stuff yeah but nobody who I talked to in those first few weeks of like settling down here and kind of randomly meeting people like none of those online matches ended up sticking around for months those weren't relationships that I like truly cultivated I wasn't thinking about it I was kind of like trying to keep myself busy almost yeah that was something I unpacked in therapy so we can just (laughs) swap therapy stories for an hour (laughs) absolutely yeah (laughs) Yeah, no. And it's so I mean, because I think it's yeah, I think that that like sort of acknowledging loneliness is is a thing. And it's like, okay, to feel that way. Because I think there's so much pressure that we put on ourselves to like be constantly busy and like, to be doing things and to be always engaged and always with, you know, like around other people and surrounding ourselves with, you know, friends or chosen family or, Mm -hmm. you know, or like biological family or whatever that like when we are lonely, we don't talk about it because it's like, oh, we aren't supposed to be this way. Yeah, and like, it's not okay to be this way and and stuff, so. I think lonely is a really taboo word. Like even in my like super mental health positive-y friend groups and spaces, like yeah, admitting that I feel lonely feels like admitting defeat. It feels like I'm not, then I should be in a relationship, but I'm not despite wanting to be, or like, like I'm not doing something right or I'm not enough for myself I don't know we've like put all these pressures on it externally and internally like you need to be cool with whatever situation you're in and not admit that you're lonely that's tiring I don't want to play that 
Do you usually find that your queer friends and queer spaces and stuff are more mental health positive, like easier to talk to about queer stuff? Or do you think queer folks are just kind of in the same, like stigmas and everything as everyone else? It's interesting. Yeah, I think on the whole, I've found that queer folks are more, I think mental, I think mental health positive is an interesting way to way to frame it. Because I think for for me and my experience, it's been like, I think a lot of my queer friends and like, when I'm in queer spaces, I think a lot, I just am interacting with more people who have interfaced with mental, with their mental health. For me, it's like I, a lot of my queer friends have seen therapists, have seen psychiatrists, have seen, you know, have like interfaced with that. And so I think, are they more mental health positive because of that? Are they more mental health positive because like, I don't know. I don't, I think in my experience they have been, but I think it's also in part due to just like interfacing with it more and it being a little bit more normalized. When you have a partner who's like anxious or depressed or like in any sort of situation, what do you think is something that partners should be conscious of? Yeah, I think about that. Um, that was a really big, that was something that I have been processing because I am now seeing a counselor, but I think from my first relationship that I really have been processing through because she had a lot of body image insecurity and like a lot of a lot of you know anxiety and just general sort of like in her head like she just didn't see herself as being very valuable and like she just didn't value herself and it was it was really it was it was a really challenging part of our relationship because like I was also dealing like I was dealing with my own my own stuff and Mm -hmm. and I think for me like when I when I was in that space and like I can only speak from sort of personal experience but like when I was in that space like it took me like it took me a really long time like probably until almost the end of the relationship and she and I were together for more than three years and like it was almost towards the end of that relationship that I like was finally able that I was like finally able to um feel like I didn't have to to be responsible for like lifting her up and like doing a lot of that work because I felt like as her partner like I that was something that I needed to do and should be doing and was doing and I think it took a real toll on on both of us because she was then coming to me for for some of those things and I couldn't show up in in ways for her because my energy was focused on on sort of this validation and this like showing showing her that she was like that she had worth and I think it was it was super challenging I think but I think understanding that like because like we're in this partnership and and stuff it doesn't just because we're in this partnership like doesn't necessarily mean that like I have to be responsible for someone else's mental health and I think sometimes like that can kind of get lost in you know when we're when we're in these partnerships and when we're in these relationships like it is a part of it like someone's mental health is very much a part of them and so like they bring that into the relationship they bring that into the space and so you know it's it's hard I think I think for me too like at the time I was not I not necessarily a fixer but I just wanted to like I wanted to help and and it was hard to see the scope of like my helping if that makes sense yeah first of all like thank you for being like so candid about that that's yeah when I 
ask questions sometimes I have an expected answer and then people say a thing and I'm like no that's like the right answer <laughs> like, like I don't know I guess I was kind of like yeah we, we should talk about like how we're like how we take care of each other and that's like kind of the generic like community response so a couple of years ago my partner transitioned while we were dating I think only now like two or three years later I'm able to reflect on what a toll that took on my life because there were so many weird like mental health complications with that in terms of like I was the only one who knew about it for a really long time so I fell into this accidental role of like therapist and like friend and I did all the validation because I was also partner and like but I felt like I couldn't talk to any of our friends about it first of all because all of our friends were like mutual friends that became really isolating and toxic for me but also I really guilted myself about feeling bad about it at all. And I was like, this is not about me. Like I, like, I feel so narcissistic for like making it about me. Like I can support her. Like I have that capacity right now. And I just like did not cut myself slack. Like in hindsight, I'm like, wow, I really didn't. I let myself become isolated with someone else's pretty like massively large problem. Like, yeah. I think problem is an well, unfair word, but. Right. Yeah. And I wish that in hindsight, like the way that I had my self-talk or my boundaries related to someone else's mental health was more self-aware. Yeah. Boundaries. Boundaries, I think, is like a good rule of thumb for mental health and like partnerships. And that's like on giving and receiving. Like I think when I'm the one who's like depressed or anxious or something, like I also need to know where my partner's boundaries are. And I think, yeah, and for me, like, I have never been good at setting boundaries in all aspects of my life. And so it's, and I've never been been very good at sort of advocating for myself. And, mm-hmm. and I think particularly in intimate relationships in like those sorts of, you know, in just like those very like intense connections, like it's, it's really hard to see it in the moment too of like, yeah. You know, because we can look back and be like, yeah, I totally should have put up boundaries there. But it's like, no, I deeply cared about this person. And like, yeah, you know, totally thought that this action was like something that needed to happen. And like, that should have happened. And like, in the moment, it felt like that was the right thing to do. And regardless of sort of where it put me in, in my, my health. So learning myself enough to set boundaries and then learning to have like the courage and self-worth and practice at setting those boundaries are like my two journeys right now for sure that was everything I had for the structured episode was there anything in particular you wanted to talk about or dig into I think like I feel pretty good yeah thanks so much for taking the time and like asking really thoughtful questions because like I've also had a really really good sort of mental health experience recently so I, I feel extremely self-aware but it's been nice to sort of talk through questions that like require me to think a little bit more I know this has been good so yeah I enjoyed this a lot too thank you for your time yeah awesome thank you so much I look forward to it if you enjoyed this week's episode follow us on twitter and instagram at tindergartenpod Thank you to Supermarine for making our music. To hear the complete track and more, find them on Spotify. And thank you to Kevin Shundlum for our graphic design work. Find him on Instagram at kev.bot. Until next time, class.